welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Mr. Jerry Springer. I am. Actually, I this is I didn't tell you, but uh, earlier this morning, um, we were we're looking for new property. We are. Yeah. What? No. No. Uh, you and Mickey or Mickey and I, Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. Well, well, don't go beyond there. You're looking for new property. Actually, we did. We, we went looking. Um, well, it's just it, it's a cemetery plot. <laughs> oh, I see. Mm, <laughs> wow, that started quick tonight. Yeah. How about that? Uh, yeah. Jumping no, on really, in. Megan. It did really <laughs> oh, right away. That is a depressing thing. I mean, there's two. There, there's no joke here. You just sit there, and they bring, and you know, they're so polite when they talk to you, and I don't feel it's a. <laughs> you really did go look this, at cemetery plots. For, for May I ask what is would be the obvious question? Did some of the places you visited say, "I'm sorry, but we have no room no here"? Room for you. Yeah, they. Uh, they did ask me, is it you? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about you? Yeah. yeah your well, wife. There's oh, a certain neighborhood in the cemetery I'm not permitted in. <laughs> but God. that happened when I was by mitzvah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> sorry. We're <laughs> <of> here. <laughs> but no. But it was, but anyway, that, it, it, it's staggering walking. Did you buy of, any? Yeah. Okay. Did oh, you, it's beautiful. Would there be view. room for Bonnie and oh, me? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I am beautiful. not doing that. I told you what I'm going to put on my head today. What? Take care of yourself and each other. I won't be right back. <laughs> yeah. That's, Aww, that's cute. Yeah, that's good. That's real morbid, though, Chair. I got to tell you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really. it's a, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. going with I should have told with you the cremation gonna, anyway. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. taking up any space. Any, that's so pretentious to take up space in the earth. I agree. You know? <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me. Have you not <laughs> seen my resume? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do I get yeah. a little bit of dirt? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so, anyway. Yes. So you guys were out of town this weekend with it, your wives? Yes. How what You were great. up in New York? Every year, uh, every year on my birthday, it's become kind of a tradition. My gosh, we've been doing this 15, 20 years yeah. now. That's so cool. We go back to my old neighborhood in Queens, and uh, we literally, poor Gene. I mean, the four of us, we go to the apartment house that I was raised in as a kid. But you have nothing to do with it because I didn't know you until I was 27 years old. Yeah. And you come to this city where you've never, you know, you don't know anybody. and you look at the same way. And we always, we knock on the door. They have to be so sick of you by now. Oh, oh my God. Well, what happens <laughs> I'm the witness. Because, and I always say when they open the door, hi, I'm, you know, Jerry Springer. And I, I, I'm, we're not here with the show or anything. It's just that, you know, I was raised here and this was the house I grew up in. And once in a while, the people will take me in. But lately, word word gets That's out so that weird. I visit there every year now. Yeah. So now I'll ring the doorbell, and I know they're home. You can hear them. And all of a sudden, shh. <laughs> and no one says a word. Hello? You ring the doorbell again. I know you're in there. Yeah, Let yeah. me in. Open up. And then we, we won't go away. Yeah. And we, we had some good time. We went to some oh, great shows. And, and, and I got to tell you this, Megan. There was We're driving. Let's just tell it straight up. This is how sure. it rolls. <laughs> Jerry has in New York, I guess it's some company you work with, uh, a transportation company, but Roy, who is a great guy, great guy, has been driving for years, and it is a, may I say, it's a long white limousine. Yeah, a it's... A long white limousine. It took, to, 
if you want to talk to him up front, yeah. it's a, another area code. It's a different area It's code. long distance. <laughs> Hello, and, Roy. And no. so this limousine comes into Kew Gardens, which is a neighborhood of Queens, right? Yes. And we're driving around, and we went for the first time, because I've been going into this neighborhood for years. My mom always used to say, when I was first born, she looked at me and she said to my brothers, he will be easily entertained by just shiny stuff and, you know. There's not much there we're working with. No, no, it'll be very easy to entertain him. (laughs) So I'm like, we going back to Queens, Jerry? I'm an idiot. And so anyway, we go, we're driving through the neighborhood and we went to Russell Sage Junior High. That's your old junior high. Sure. I went to PS 99, Russell Sage Junior High. And Forest Hills High School. Yeah. yeah. And so we looked at the junior high, and then we're going down the street in this little neighborhood, very cool neighborhood, by the way, in, New- in Queens. And we see classic New York City basketball court. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Big fence. Around it, yeah. Oh, yeah, gates, gates around yeah. it. We go in and get this. There are like three or four guys that are our age playing basketball. No kidding. Yeah. Guys that back in the day, you know, played some basketball, yeah. maybe high school, who knows. So we get out of the car. We roll down the window. Hey. Yeah. And they're like, who the hell is that? And then he gets out and he walks over and like, that's Jeffrey Springer. And we played a pickup game. Now, (laughs) this, excuse my French, this MF got the limo driver to be on his team, Jerry's team. I'm on the other team. He played in college. Ah, yeah. there it is. There He's it like is. 40. <laughs> He's, he played no. in college. He's half my, your age. I played no. freshman year in basketball. No, wait a second. In freshman year <laughs> high school, that was it. My limo driver didn't go to college. <laughs> he went to Xavier instead? Is that the yeah. joke? Uh, I, no, 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 no. No, don't do that. Don't okay, do that. Don't do that. Anyway, no. so yeah. oh, it was we great. It was great. It was 10 8. It was great. It was, it was great. You so who won? His team won. Well, the limo driver. Who pays your check? I had no idea that had anything to do with basketball. And it was it was great because it was like you know, except for the limo driver, I think everybody probably was seventy, maybe somebody yeah. in their sixties. Yeah. So what was their reaction when you guys come out and start? Oh, like, it was well, it was actually a lot of fun. We oh, I mean, once they got over the this yeah. celebrities, yeah. anyway, it was a fun game. I mean, we played for twenty minutes, a half hour. How was, was yeah. how was Gene at basketball, Jerry? Well, there's no <laughs> question. When we were younger, Gene would be way better than me. Uh, today, we're both crippled. <laughs> <laughs> so no broken bones, all hips are in order there, we're I all good? I score. Yay, good uh, for you. Not in basketball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, do, why do I let myself get set yeah, up for that? <laughs> no, no, I did. I scored a basket. It was so exciting. Broadway show. And then we let, went to... Want to talk that show up because that's a hell of a show. I people. saw that Facebook post. The, that looked cool. The Bronx Tale. Yeah. Oh. Well, you remember the movie with Chaz Palminteri back in the late 80s, I guess it was, um, the great movie with Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. wonderful movie. And then it became a one-man play. Uh, Chaz wrote it, uh, wrote the movie, wrote the book, and he, uh, he does a one-man show on Broadway. That ended, and now on Broadway, which is the hot new show, it's a musical. Mm-hmm. So we went to see it um, Friday night, and uh, oh, what a great show. And then... When we came into the theater, they said, after the show, come backstage and meet the cast. And Chaz was there. That's so cool. Honestly, it was so much fun. They were so great. And Chaz has a restaurant, an Italian restaurant. So we had reservations. He called ahead, said they're coming down. And we we had dinner there. We met the mob. It was great. We met the mob. (laughs) 
And the show has a lot of that. He, he says, you can have anything to drink. I said, I don't think so. He says, I think you're having something to drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Oh, Far be it for me. <laughs> and by the way, Megan, and, and you know, Jerry is like a brother to me. I knew Jerry when we both had nothing, and then he went off to... And you still have And still have nothing. Basically nothing. <laughs> you stay consistent. God bless yeah. you. Yeah, I'm a man of the people. And, uh, but I Jerry is really generous. Yes, and so, he is. And he's really rich. Yes. As far as I know, I mean, I had never seen his bank account, but he's got a lot of dough. So he, you know, rolls into this limousine and you go into the theater and you walk in and there was somebody, I think that theater manager maybe is yeah. who we talked to. He may have known you were coming. Because to be honest, you get the, you get the tickets to like a broker or something, and then they yeah. may say, "Hey, He's Jerry Springer will be in the audience." That they might, may or may not. Who yeah. knows? Or those in that in that environment, yeah. those people that work the doors, they know they know who's coming, or they recognize who's coming. They're always looking out for that yeah. because it's great publicity for them. But yeah. wouldn't all of us want to? I'll speak for myself. I when you see a good Broadway show, you'd love to go backstage oh, yeah. and just talk oh. to these. Players, you'd I'm love doing to. I'm in Cincinnati for Doesn't crying happen. out loud. It's yeah. amazing to go backstage. And so they the came up to him, you know, five steps inside the door and said, hey, you want to go backstage after the show? Yeah. And the answer is yes. We go back there and they all, and we're on the stage with the curtain open looking out now at an empty theater. <clears throat> and one of the people is a young man named Bobby Conte Thornton. Mm -hmm. It's his Broadway debut. He told us this from San Francisco. Probably about 20 years old. Yeah. But they all look at Springer and it's like, dude, I used to watch your show all the time. Yeah. When I was, you know, taking classes or in college or whatever. And while they were in prison. (laughs) As many wanted their pictures with him as he wanted pictures with them. That's incredible. So Bobby Conte Thornton will be on our podcast. That's yeah, we're going to bring him in over the phone some night. His performance was, was oh, really Oh, I'm sure. So oh. if you're in, in New York, you get a chance to see it, The Bronx Tale. It's wonderful. Or on tour, because it'll be out yeah. there soon. And maybe the most important development was, you know, Megan, I'm always fine-tuning the business plan for the podcast. Oh, Jesus. And, and what uh, a business plan it is, Gene. We're rolling yeah. in it over here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And I appreciate that, that you're the one that sort of gets it. Totally, we're there. We're We're there. there. You think we're there? I always am striving. I'm always reaching. Which is why I won't be rich for long. Right? (laughs) Thanks to Gene. We came up with, and I'm giving most of this credit to Jerry Springer. His instincts are amazing. We came up with an addendum to the business plan. I can't wait to hear this. And it's called the Elevator Comics. Jerry and I are starting a new act where we will, and this is my part, I'm going to book us all across the country, initially in some smaller hotels, maybe two, three-story high. Clarion. Yeah, little little places, (laughs) you know, with maybe two or three floors, and we're going to work an elevator. We get on the elevator, and we we tell our jokes. So how did this this come about on this this trip? This is God's truth. We, I mean, we were just getting on at, at the Ritz, a crowded elevator. 15th floor for you, so there's yeah. a lot of floors so, to work the act. So you got a lot <laughs> of jokes. Act, yeah. you, Warm them up. <laughs> yeah, you get off at the second floor, you're not going to hear our best jokes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You might get off at the second floor then. Well, we just... <laughs> I'll we, walk. This, no one thought about this before. We're on a crowded elevator. Gene is in the back corner, and I'm near where the buttons are or whatever. And, uh, and mirrors all over the elevator, yeah, so and you, you know, can be facing... Because elevator etiquette is you st- stare Everyone's at staring at the front door, you know, at the door of the elevator and the numbers on top and just watching. Watching. It's dead silence. 
And Jean, as usual. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, what's your wife's favorite wine? (laughs) And I go, I want to go to Miami. (laughs) Well... And it, we hit right away, Megan. The right way, away. I, but let's be honest. You had your crowd. That was your target audience in the elevator at the Ritz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they laughed. I mean, the, the, the women on the elevator really, and they didn't look at us. They're still looking like this. <laughs> yeah. And out loud, they are really laughing. Well, now we know they're laughing. And that's yeah. all you need, and dear and Lord. You say, <laughs> hey, I saw you talking to that guy down in the lobby. It oh, the like one, he had an older guy. The, the well, guy with the hearing aid? What was that all about? Yeah, he's telling me this is the finest hearing aid money can buy. Really? I say, yeah, what hey, kind I, is it? He said, four o'clock. I hate you. But boom Now you laugh again. I can't Laughter. believe you subject people to this. Yeah. Laughter. These, these people were just on an elevator. It was amazing. <laughs> one guy from the back yelled, Ballroom and Jerry says, I didn't know I was crowding you. But I'm bummed. It didn't end. Now people are getting off. Wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah. 730 is not the same as the nine. Come back and try the veal. So we have started this business. So we're we going to th- cut a commercial. We're, we're, this is on. This is on. Elevator this comics. This is horrible. We, <laughs> you've never heard of elevator comics. Because before. it's not a thing and it never will be. Well, yeah. They say, well, you know, if they, and Gene asked me, how's it going? I said, well, it has its ups and downs. Whoa. <laughs> but it's. Yes. Hey, Megan. It's here's, all day. Hey, it's Megan. Here's the truth. It was so here's great. the truth. That all happened, just like you described. Oh, I believe it. When we it. got to the bottom, exactly like people were getting off, high-fiving us, saying it's very Applauding. funny. Very funny. <laughs> so we go to lunch. Our wives are with us, and we're doing a synergy Bonnie shaking her head. Now, <laughs> so we go to lunch, and we figure out our whole act, because that was just sort of the pilot. We go back. We do it again, <laughs> Megan. And like we had some staff from the, ele- from the Ritz-Carlton on the elevator oh, with us, like oh, management yeah. people. Oh, and they're that. laughing, but it's forced laughter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. They're polite because he's, yeah. you know. My timing was off. <laughs> yeah. Timing. <laughs> well, anyway, that is coming. Wow. Elevator. We'll wait with breath Com- that is baited. <laughs> Elevator comics. No I'm one picturing the it. doors open in the back corner. You see Jerry. In fact, this was Jerry's idea. The doors close and the lights go out and a little <laughs> spotlight pops on <laughs> on Jerry in the back corner. One hand, he's got a drink. Yep. Dean Martin kind of deal. Sure. Other hand, a cigarette. Yep. Got a mic stand between his legs. <laughs> and he's like, and get the brick wall behind him. Got so to a little comedy club brick, brick wall. wall. Yeah. But it needs, you know, you were the perfect straight man. You yeah. ask a question. Sure. We got to come right back. Yeah, that's it. So, no, wait for so it. So this is it, huh? Oh, it's this on. Is, this is your million. Oh, we're definitely doing it. And here's oh, what we can we'll do. We'll call all the Howard Johnsons and let them know. We can <laughs> say, we can I just have to call one end. person. You know? Yeah, catch them. They've been at the Beverly Wilshire in L.A. Yeah. in Beverly Hills, the uh, Rich Carlton in New York. Mention all these hotels. Little yeah. people know it's the elevator. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's not like we need it's a like big room. It's like doing your comedy act next to the salad bar. <laughs> and you see, word gets out and everyone starts taking the stairs. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yeah. You're in a 91-story building. <laughs> I will walk. I'm walking. <laughs> yeah. I can't Elevator's it. just sitting there. You know. yeah. And no Jerry, gets out. Jerry doesn't even smoke Hello, or drink. So. Yeah. I'm <laughs> holding the door. <laughs> That's all right. It's we'll we got it. Or the lady like the walker. They got their luggage. Are those guys on the elevator? Oh, no, they're not here yeah. this week. Okay. Go, 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 go. Push the button. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, Twinkie's coming. Close the door. 
You're the only one here that has a serious job. I do have a serious job. Because you're an HR manager for a regional corporation of substance. Mm -hmm. And you were telling us the other night at dinner that uh, there's a thing that we had never heard of as we were job chasing in our young lives, where as an HR manager, you actually put on parties for Mm -hmm. applicants. Mm -hmm. What the hell is that? We recruit like crazy, and it's, it's just the way... It is now, honestly. These kids are getting out of college, and they're expect like they have jobs lined up before they graduate, and we have to woo them. I mean, we have to start. Wow. We start relationships with these kids at any universities that we've uh, that we've established. Is they have the talent that we need, they have the the skill sets that we need. So we're going in there, and we're not alone. And we are recruiting like crazy. So we will go to. Well, I wasn't here a couple weeks ago. I was at a career fair in Georgia. So I went to the UGA career fair. We met, you know. 20, 30, 40 kids that we really liked. Um, out of that, we bought 15 of them back and we take them out to dinner or we have a happy hour for them, whatever. And we tell them about our company. We tell them what we have to offer, why we're competitive, all those types of things. But it's an ongoing relationship. And that's where recruiting has changed. Where you, I mean, when I, even when I was it? in school, career fairs were something that you just kind of, eh, you went to them if you were in the business school, you went to them there, you know, every now and again. They are massive events. The money that's being thrown into this stuff is insane. And it's just speaking to where this, like what the expectations of these graduates are. So it's a whole different world now. Um, wow. Yes, it's the fun part of the job. The yeah. recruiting is a great part. And the parties are fun. But <laughs> are there, you know, I think of college basketball recruiting. You'd say the same thing about college football where there's not only all that. Look. Down in Louisville, there's an accusation that an assistant coach mm-hmm. was doing that and bringing in call girls as well. Yeah, we the, don't that, do that. No, I know. You don't. <laughs> uh, we at Jones a, Moving. What at Jones that company Moving, we do not do that. Whoa, 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 whoa. We give them a drink ticket and like an uh, egg roll. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can get another degree. Yeah, yeah, I could use one more college. One more degree. I'm yeah, there. it wouldn't hurt. But, it's but ins- how about signing bonuses? Because you hear that in football, basketball, college we, in all on, like we have restructured benefits packages we've redone everything in order to make that it's you need to make it a fun exciting it's experience so much more competitive nowadays it is wow. and literally these guys are coming out of, like we've got university of cincinnati and things around here these kids are in their freshman year lining up what their co-ops are going to be throughout the year they have to do three you know some schools require two three four co-ops throughout their tenure which is smart right which is very smart it gives yeah. them a ton of exposure but that means that we have to start literally when they are 17, like right out of school. It's so bad. Not so bad, but it's so different now. We're, st- we're actually looking at the high school level. Like oh. we need to speak because we want to, you know, any company wants to, to be get top relationships going. And it's the relationship oh. building. They want to know that it's safe and they feel comfortable and they feel yeah, loved. Last and- qu- one last question. What, what culture and what environment are they looking for that you're careful to make sure they know you have that will lure them. What, what do young people want that's a in a great work question. setting? And that's what all of us are trying to figure out, honestly. Okay. Honestly. So right now what's really hot and what we talk about a lot is like the flex hours. Nobody wants to be eight, eight, you know, nine to five, eight to five in an office anymore. They, you want to have the flexibility to work from home or commute, however that works for them. Um, oftentimes the culture, they want an, a more open culture, um, physically even more open, like getting away from the boardrooms and the, the offices and what you think of kind of like stuffy corporate America. They're yeah. sick of it. It's not, it, it doesn't, 
doesn't work for them. They should so come to our show. It doesn't. It's not stuffy. We're not stuffy. America. Yeah. We have a business plan, but we're not stuffy. <laughs> when I uh, went before you for an interview for this job on the right. Jerry Springer podcast, which, by the way, you were not recommended for. Hey, well, so that we but know. nonetheless, I got it. <laughs> well, that's fair. But I, I remember I was asking for four months of personal leave. Yeah, Is yeah. that out of whack? Is that well? That's actually lot? another piece. Like honestly, the expectation when I graduated was maybe two weeks, maybe. Uh, four weeks is kind of more standard now, and a lot of folks won't. A lot of the younger folks won't talk to us for under. If you're not, if you're not offering the four weeks, they that's really it's the work-life balance. First job, four weeks of I can be off for vacation, sick, Uh whatever. They want work-life balance. That is like the number one piece that they're interested in. And I'm of course lumping them all together. There's always, you know, but just in general, as a trend, it's just so different. But it's interesting to see how companies are adjusting to it because some of these things, in my own opinion. I think should have changed a long time ago. I think it's great to have a more open concept. I think it's fantastic. They're asking questions like what percentage of your leadership is women and minority? What percentage of this? Like they're asking wonderful questions and they want to be in those up and coming companies. So it's interesting. It's very cool. It's the best Um, part of my job. Jerry, first month of uh, Trump's uh, term. What, What do you think? Um, can we redo it? <laughs> can we wake it was, up? Is it is it still happening? Yeah, I. The first month, admittedly, is well. It's been a total disaster. Uh, but even if you voted for him, even if you liked him, even if you liked some of the things he said in the campaign, it's pretty hard to look at this first month and say, "Wow, there is a successful presidency." It seems like to- total chaos. I mean. Everything he said he was going to do is turning out to be not exactly like he said he would do it. I mean, starting with the wall, now we find out it could be $21 billion. Oh, we didn't know that. Oh, we'll get Mexico to pay for it. Well, Mexico says, no, they're not going to pay pay for it. Uh, it, Obamacare, we'll get rid of it on day one. Well, now all of a sudden they're realizing they don't want to take health insurance away from people and make it affordable Yikes, there's going to have, they don't have a replacement plan that doesn't involve huge hike in taxes. Uh, so all of a sudden, that's stalled. He has the lowest approval ratings of any president ever. The immigration ban was the most obvious fiasco. First of all, it created havoc in people's lives, and it also shamed America in the eyes of the world. So it, it's been a horrible first month. And the word that would be used by the pundit seems to be it's the White House is in total chaos. I would like to suggest a possible alternative that it may not be chaos. There may, in fact, be a method to this madness. And the method, the architect of this method is Steve Bannon and some of the people around him. Stay with me on this just for a a few minutes, because the more I thought, and we talked a little bit about it over the weekend, the more I put all this together, because this guy Bannon is incredibly bright, okay? So we may hate what he's espousing, but let's not be fooled into think that this guy is some idiot. He's very bright, but he is an ideologue. He has a belief, a worldview that is pretty extreme but he lives his life for it. And he believes, and this is not us interpreting, this is his own words, over the past 
several years before he was in government, when he gives speeches, when he was head of Breitbart News, when he uh, does interviews, he believes the apocalypse is coming. He believes we are going to have a world war, Christians against Muslims. He's Islamophobia defined. And he believes that the Muslims want to take over the world and we have to do away with them. Purge the country of multiculturalism. He believes the only way to win this war against Islam is to become nationalist. That, in a sense, America would be white and Christian. And everything else only weakens us, makes us multicultural, which shows a weakness towards fighting Muslims. So that has to change. He is a nationalist. And if along the way various groups join him for their own motives of being a nationalist, like white supremacist or something, even if he isn't, they do nothing to push them away. Any group that is willing to buy into this fact that we need to do away with multiculturalism in America, we need to prepare for the war against Islam, this is what the man believes. Now, this is not me being an extremist talking about it. This, he admits his own words. You can get the tapes of the conversations, Google it, of the interviews. So, where does Trump fit in? Steve Bannon and the people around him that believe in this ideology that we're going to have a world war against Islam, he has been looking for some vehicle to get to a seat of power where his views can be put into being, put into place. And in fact, one of the first people that got his attention was Sarah Palin. And he, in fact, did a documentary on Sarah Palin, which was kind of complimentary to her from his point of view, because he thought she would be the vehicle. You see, they are looking for, in a sense, an empty vessel, someone who has no political ideology, someone who just never even thought about it, and then they can feed that person this ideology and attract this person because this person is going to want whether it's a narcissist, someone who wants the attention, someone who wants to be in the spotlight. So Sarah Palin was the first person that came to mind when she self-destructed. Then he's looking for which campaigns to get a hold of, and he sees the Trump campaign, the perfect example of an empty vessel. And I'm not just, I'm not saying this to try to pick on Trump. I'm saying he never had a political ideology. If the Democrats had come to him three years ago, he would have been a Democrat. He will say whatever will make him the star. Okay, that's his personality. Bannon gets hold of him, and think about it. First, he works his way into the campaign. Next, he works himself into becoming campaign manager. Then they get elected. He works himself to becoming the chief advisor. Then, the most scary of all, he works it out that he is now on the National Security Council and the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the head of Homeland Security are kicked off in terms of being permanent members. He is putting himself in a position of incredible military power to prepare America 
for this coming world war in his mind of Christians versus Muslims. Every policy that they're doing, or let's say the immigration policy, moves in that direction, even though they never use those exact words. Now, that's the goal. And that, by the way, is one of the reasons this love affair with Putin. Why do they have a love affair with Putin? It's not complicated. Putin is also a nationalist. And Bannon, in seeing what would be necessary in this world war, wants Russia as an ally against Muslims. And Russia, from its part, even though it may never have thought about this issue, if the price of joining America, because he's a nationalist, Putin, everything about Russia, he wants America to pull back from support of NATO so he can expand. That's Russia's goal throughout its history, well before communism. It always wanted to expand out to the sea, expand through Europe. So if he can get America to pull back from its support of NATO, to become isolationist, to concentrate only on what's going on in America, then he has freedom to do what he wants in Russia. That's what he gets from Trump, that America will leave Russia alone. And what Trump gets from, or what Bannon gets from Putin is that there will be an ally in what he sees the apocalypse, the final war against Islam. That's why they're having all this going on. It isn't about, gee, I wonder if they have a tape of him doing what with whom. It's way bigger than that. Now, what's the strategy? That's the goal. Remember, the goal is, in Bannon's view, we have a war coming up with Muslims, with Islam. The primary goal now is they need eight years because whatever they could accomplish in four years, if Trump is defeated for re-election, then anything they would have done will be taken away immediately because it means Trump was rejected and everything he would have done would be lost. So they know if they're going to get their way, the Bannon people, they need eight years. They need to be re-elected. Everything Trump is doing now is towards re-election. So you say, wait a second. All he's doing is appealing to his base. That 40%. It, it seems, at first, you look and say, is this guy crazy? All he's doing is becoming totally extreme. He goes down to whether it's Alabama, Trump country in Florida, wherever it is, he's just doing everything for his base, doing nothing to try to broaden the base. Is this a strategy to get reelected? Well, actually, it is. And here's why. If Trump, for the next two years, can spend time on doing everything for the base, give the base everything it wants, the Supreme Court, anti-immigration, guns, abortion, whatever it is, give the right wing everything it wants, the white supremacists, everything. Because what he's doing is he is protecting himself from a challenge in Republican primaries on the right. There will be no Tea Party running against Trump in 2020. No Republican can run against him from the right. Those people will go to the mat for him. They love him now. He did what he said he'd do for the right. 
He's got that 40%. But you can't win an election with 40%. Where does the other 10% come from? He's doing two things to get that final 10%. He delegitimizes, or is attempting to, the only two institutions left in America that could stop him. Congress won't stop him, and the Senate won't stop him, basically. You know, they're the same party. The only two institutions are, one, the courts. So he does everything he can to delegitimize the court, that so-called judge. Even more important, remember, because that'll be a commercial. God forbid there is some event in the next four years, some terrorist event. You can see the commercial now where he said, it's the court's fault on their ruling on the immigration ban. If there is a terrorist act, blame it on the courts. I told you so. Now, we know, having lived through 9-11, that after that kind of an attack, the whole country comes together, and no one wants to argue. So it is no stretch of the imagination to believe that if there was such an attack, at least that 10% would come from the middle of the road voter that says, by God, we need to be tough. I don't want to hear about, you know, how we have to all work together. There'll be a rah-rah. It happens after every, you know, every kind of event like that, the patriotism, whatever. And so he's protected himself by letting people know it's the court's fault. The second institution that could stop him, it's the press, the free press. If he keeps calling it fake news, if he just has an all-out assault on free press in America saying it's fake news, it's fake news, it's fake news, he has basically protected himself against any scandal that is uncovered because whatever is uncovered now, he can say it's fake news. You can't believe it. And enough people start to question what the news is doing that he can pick up. Remember, he only has to pick up that 10%. He doesn't have to win the majority of the others. Just a tiny piece of it that gets him up to 50%. That is the strategy of Bannon and company, and that's what's behind Donald Trump. Oh, that's good. Now for the elevator jokes. No. (laughs) Hey, we're asking... uh, Lee Rolfus to come in. In fact, he's come in. He's getting set up. And let me tell you a few things about our musical guest tonight. Uh, Lee has roots in Cincinnati, and we're going to chat with him in a minute uh, after he does a song. But I think he's been living some other places, but he started in Cincinnati. And after his first song, we're going to talk about Jerry's uh, dirty past around here that crossed with uh, Lee's, well, in the music world, in the music world. To be clear. To be clear. (laughs) To be clear. (laughs) Hey, Lee, do a song Testing, one, two, one, two. (laughs) Lee Rolfes. All right. Here's one for the big man up there on 75. Home when the hour is late. I know I don't have much. Food. 
Jesus on the side of the road, yeah. Now he was born in a manger a long time ago. It was cold, so they wrapped him up in swaddling clothes. Who'd have thought that baby would grow up to be a 40 foot Jesus watching over me? 40 foot Jesus on the interstate, guiding me home when the hour is late. I know I don't have much further to go. Running around scared The ghost of 9-11's hiding everywhere Shake them up enough It's easy to deceive I think a 40-foot Jesus is what we all need A 40-foot Jesus on the interstate Guiding us home when the hour is late I know I don't have much further to go When I see my 40-foot Jesus on the side of the road 40-foot Jesus on the side of the road 40-foot Jesus on the side That's Lee Rolfus, and by the way, I-75 runs from the top of America down to the tip, Florida in the south, and up, I guess, Michigan up in the north. I've been on and most of it. He's yeah. been, Lee's been on most of it, and as you go through the Cincinnati area, there's a 40-foot statue in front of a church of Jesus. We and call it Big Butter that, Jesus. And then <laughs> there it is. Well, the original one was struck by lightning, Yes, right? it was. Ooh. Which was kind of crazy. Yeah. So anyway, that's what that song refers to. By the way... You can hear Lee on his website, and I'm going to spell it for you. It's Lee, L-E-E, -E, and then Rolfus is R-O-L-F-E-S. So LeeRolfus.com. He's also on Facebook. Latest album, A Far Cry From Your Troubles. And you performed back in the day in Cincinnati at a place in Mount Adams, which is a great little hipster community, a place yep. called The Blind Lemon. Yep, one of my, one of my favorite bars in town. I think yeah. it's, it's a real cozy, beautiful place to have a gig, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. yeah. And uh, a young Jerry Springer would come in after doing the news, maybe? And yeah, a certain news anchor from yeah. back in the day. I do, actually, I do remember that. Yeah. But I only knew two songs. Always yeah, what'd you do, Jerry? Bobby McGee. Yeah. And Bobby McGee. <laughs> <laughs> I and another it, version I did it twice, it. yeah. I thought I recalled Blowing in the Wind. Oh, oh, oh God, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh, oh well, I forgot Jerry, about that great. stupid song. Jerry, do just stupid. a couple songs. <laughs> you want to Step outside. You don't understand. We heard it every day for two years from you. What from oh, on Springer on the radio uh -huh. on Air America? We played it on the. Yeah, we sure did. Well, do just a couple licks and maybe Lee would accompany you with Bobby McGee. A little bit of Bobby McGee. Indeed. Busting flat in Baton Rouge, waiting for a train. Well, I'm feeling nearly faded as my jeans. Bobby thumbed the diesel down while waiting for the train that took us all the way to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. oh I pulled my harpoon out of my dirty red bandana. I was a blowing soft while Bobby sang the blues. When them windshield whoppers slapping time, Bobby's clapping hands in time. We 
sang us every song that driver knew. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Nothing ain't worth nothing, but it's free. And feeling good was easy, Lord, when Bobby sang the blues. Feeling good was good enough for me. Enough for me and my Bobby Lee. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Go do the other version of it. Well, the other version you would do with a... So a, I, I remember when you would ask to sit in and do a couple songs, I would always ask if I could come do a couple stories the next yeah. night. Yeah. 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 Well, oh, we said, had you on the show, I know that. You said, <laughs> you, you said, uh, you said uh, Normer would not like Normer, that. yeah. Normer. Yes, Normer. God lover. Yep. And then the, the, the <laughs> second song you did was Bobby McGee in a British accent. Oh, yes, you know. <laughs> Actually, there was a wonderful documentary on... Just last week, I, I saw on Janis Joplin, speaking of Bobby yeah. McGee. Do you see it? Oh, it was great. If you get a chance to see it, What's it was on PBS or oh, whatever yeah. the educational channel is in your town. Um, and, and look it up. It's worth seeing. Oh, it's yeah. great. I mean, it's, I love their work. it's a story of that era and, you know, this great talent she was who sadly passed away. I guess it's 27. 27, yeah. That's that yeah. whole group. Drugs. All right. Lee Rolfus, you do have a second song called Staring at the Floor, correct? Yeah, this is a, this is a brand new one. Just came right. out, of, wrote it uh, about two weeks ago. Your album's A Far Cry From Your Troubles. Yeah, I've right? got a new album, Far Cry From Your Troubles. There's bluegrass stuff on there, all kind of stuff. Great players. Nice. People Good can album. get your merch and, and that record on... Uh, it's on iTunes. Okay. You, you can, whatever sites where you can steal stuff now. We, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Go, go steal it. Go steal it. Uh, staring at the floor. So Lee anyway, Rose. yeah, this, this song is... Uh, thinking about everything and I think part of the issue is um, with all the technology and the phones and all that stuff there's become a disconnect with folks and I think that's part of the problem so that's what I'm trying to address with this song is, is that so put your phones away during this one Is it me, or does it seem it used to be That people used to be a little kinder to each other Somehow, I'm not sure when, but something changed Now everything feels kind of strange It's like we don't know one another Take a little time today And look at the world outside your door And pray it didn't slip away While you were staring at the floor Don't you remember Underneath the 
stars and drinking cheap beer and lost in conversation to take a little time today and look at the world outside your door pray it didn't slip away while you were staring at the floor As well dig a hole in the ground and everybody just jump on in it spend the rest of our lifetimes looking down now is it me or does it seem it used to be that people you to be a little kinder to each other somehow I'm not sure when but something changed now everything feels kind of strange it's like we don't know one another so take a little time today and look at the world outside your door Pray it didn't slip away while you were staring at the floor. Yeah. Lee Rolfes. You can hear his music at LeeRolfes.com, L-E-E-R-O-L-F-E-S.com, or get, uh, catch him on Facebook. Uh, Casey Campbell sliding in, too. Let's hear for Casey, our music coordinator, <laughs> here on the Jerry oh, Springer look podcast. Look at that. And Lee and Casey are going to take us out on that, that old spiritual song, Down by the Riverside, because we really are right on the bank of the Ohio River exactly. here. Exactly. Kentucky. Down by the Riverside. Gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Ain't gonna study war no more You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Ain't gonna study war no more. Jerry Springer, gonna lay down my sword and shield. Down by the riverside, down by the riverside, I said. Down by the riverside, I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield. Down by the riverside Down 